become Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello, and welcome to Scream Masters with me, Bav. Me, Fluff. And today on the show, we're going to be going through the Starship Troopers franchise. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is a franchise. You may not realize. And I tell you what, after my research going into quite how much Starship Troopers crap there is out there, you'll be amazed at mm -hmm. quite how expansive this shit actually is. Yeah. Uh, but first, let's do the admin. Uh, anyone who is subscribed to the YouTube channel, thank you very much. And if you're not, go and subscribe to it. It's at Biteback. Uh, sorry. Oh, let's do it right. So it is bit.ly forward slash BiteBackYT. Uh, our good man Wayne, the editor, has just uh, redone all of the videos on there. And now every single episode from the scratch is on there. Obviously, some of them aren't visual in any new way because we haven't been doing the video recently and we didn't start with. But. All the episodes are now there if YouTube's your preferred way to watch. Obviously, you can download them from YouTube and store them on your device to listen to whenever you'd like. Um, so, yes, go over and do that. And the, uh, as always, the bite is spelt as a computer bite, not a food bite. And uh, for all the usual information, get involved in the conversation and all that business, you can head over to the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the screenmasters. So, today, I would like to turn to the words of Hot Gossip and Sarah Brighton. And hot their words... Okay. Oh, I know. I lost my heart to a starship trooper. Flashing lights in hyperspace. Fighting for the Federation. Hand in hand will conquer space. <laughs> uh, shout out to the good lady teacher, her indoors, for that one. I had no knowledge of this song. But actually, when you read the lyrics to all of it, I yeah. mean, that seems to fit surprisingly well, actually. Yeah, Even though I don't yeah, yeah. think it's yeah. about Starship Troopers, I think you it's never referencing know. Star Trek, because there's a line about Starfeet Command oh, somewhere else okay. in the song, but then there's also a line about Darth Vader somewhere, and whether you're a droid or not. Okay. Maybe so I think it's just a general... Based yeah, stuff. let's just chuck all the space stuff together okay. and uh, see what we can get. Uh, there's even yeah there we go. Flash Gordon's left me. He's gone to the stars. An evil Darth Vader has banished to Mars. Has me banished to Mars. Very spacey. Just let's just throw it all in there because it's yeah, popular. Spacey, starry. Do it. I don't know what year this was either. 1988. There you go. Oh Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. Then then good definitely one, not not in relation to Starship Troopers. Then it wasn't even around in 88. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? You see, well, it, you don't know either how big this thing goes, do you? Well, no, as in like the that. film, uh, you know, the original film. Wasn't oh, until yo, you think that's the original film, do you? Oh, good okay. God. Oh, okay, we're going to go into the history. <laughs> Mate, okay. honestly, I had no idea. No, I mean, I know idea. it's based on a novel. I do yes, know that it's from based on a novel. 1959. Oh, okay. By Robert A. Heinlein. Right, okay. anyway, let's crack in then. Uh, well, no, go on. Have you got anything uh, you want to say? I haven't really been watching anything. Mine is just an update on, hi, I'm still watching The Clone Wars. I'm about halfway through the fourth series. <laughs> uh, other than that, I haven't watched a huge amount, to be fair. Uh, I have been watching a good few things. Um, so, again, just I'll touch on this one first because it's the 
it's kind of spinning out of our band of brothers episode uh from previous so mm-hmm. we'd mentioned before about a netflix series which was called world war ii in color so again i didn't even notice that it was there but there now is another series called uh you know greatest events or you know biggest events in world war ii in color so it's actually covering certain areas of the war which i Although it's covered in the other one, there are certain things which I never knew, like uh, how much the Nazis were all on meth, mm-hmm. um, methamphetamines and, and things like this. There's some interesting stuff in there. But yeah, um, it's, it's again, not the same footage, not the same people as last time. So it's, it, you know, just going based off our Band of Brothers one, uh, it's, it's been enjoyable to, to watch that. The other thing, now I can sit here and I could probably talk for an hour about how much i love this which was uh, a series called mythic quest raven's banquet now i've been aware of this for some time uh because it is from the uh creators of always sunny in philadelphia um i'd been kind of waiting for a good bulk of of the episodes to be or basically the first series to come and go so that i could bulk watch it and i needed to find the right appropriate time to watch it which was the other week and oh my god how much that i mean i i figured you know what it's not going to be always sunny i didn't think it was going to be always sunny i figured it'd be funny i figured it'd be good wasn't sure if it was going to be a patch to always sunny because you know when the same people from a show go off and do another one it's not always necessarily as good as the original Mm -hmm. oh i fucking love this thing i really really love this thing um so the premise is that uh rob mckenry uh who is (laughs) mac in always sunny in philadelphia uh he is the head of a computer games uh company um and they have a game called mythic quest which is a huge mmorpg um and is like one of the world's top ones out there the equivalent of war uh is it warcraft world of warcraft, world of warcraft. I guess, yeah world of warcraft equivalent kind of thing uh but it, it touches on the zany stuff so it touches on his weird characters that he comes up with the weird stories uh it also touches on uh you know the economies within the mac- macro micro economy sorry if you know people going in and buying in-game items and the ridiculous cost and how much people spend on that this is funny on so many different levels uh, but it's got a lot of heart as well a ton of fucking heart which is what i always love uh, about the guys from sunny win they do the right sunny episodes and they put some heart in there Ah, oh, they're some of the best ones but this has got a lot of heart for a lot of reasons um You've got great actors in there. F. Murray Abraham, you know, Salieri from Amadeus. The guy's a legend. And honestly, I look at this and I see scenes with different actors, uh, young actors, old actors, who must, he either must relish being in this kind of environment uh, or they must relish being with him because he he does something really special in this. Um, He's not been uh you know in high prolific kind of series and things like that. You look at a Danny DeVito who just came into Always Sunny and just ramped up and did such great funny stuff this could be you know a bit of a, a, Mar- a f murray abraham going if danny devito can do it and be really funny why can't i do it and be really funny and he bloody well is um there is so many good uh moments in this series um i'm a little bit in love uh with uh, the kind of main female in it poppy lee uh she's absolutely brilliant kind of there mm. as their head uh developer who kind of you know, does does so much of the coding and programming and stuff like that. She's a great character, absolutely fallen in love with her. Um, but what 
really tipped it off for me. Um, I won't say too much more because I do uh, want you to watch it and hopefully we'll cover it in a later pod. But one of the, the last episodes that they did uh, was actually in lockdown. So they recorded the whole thing in lockdown. So you've got everybody who is part of the cast doing it from their laptop, similar to how you and I are, you know, mm-hmm. conversing at the moment, uh, you know, over video chat. They do the exact same thing, like the whole cast gets on and does it and it really works like you think how could you uh, separate everybody from yeah, what the rest I, of I the don't cast... understand how that works and is anything really other than does. a table read yeah it really really works uh in so many different ways so many interactions with different people you know you'll have different people having the different video chats and things like that you've got old people who don't get the take as as well but again it's the heart the heart of this episode um i'm not going to say too much on it because i do want people to go and watch this and i I encourage you to watch it but i felt exactly as uh one of the people in this felt uh you know being on lockdown on my own for a good couple of months without having any social interaction was really not not the best and i'm sure i'm one of many people who's not gone through this in in all the best light um but there's a moment in this that addresses that very thing, and it's so heartwarming. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 the show that I was hoping that was gonna be good, and oh, was it? And oh, did it deliver? So there you go, Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet, which is on uh, Apple TV. Yes, I was just uh, just trying to search for it, and I kept typing Mystic Quest, which is what the early Final Fantasy games were called on the SNES. So I kept getting confused. So yeah, honestly, I could plug this for the next hour, as I would with Always Sunny. Uh, you know, I think these guys are, are so talented uh, with what they do, and uh, so yeah, so there you go. Okay, it's only ten episodes. So. Yeah, exactly. It's a manageable Possible. one for you. It's manageable for you. There's not thirteen, fourteen seasons now, with which there is with Always. Which Sunny. character is the one you're in love with? Uh, Poppy Lee. Which one's she? Oh, Poppy. There she is. I don't know from anything. No, she's been. Uh, I mean, she's she's uh, an Australian actress who has obviously done some some bits and bobs. Apparently, yes, yeah, she appeared in Thought, which I, I checked out um, afterwards. Yeah, so yeah apparently she's. Sif. Yeah, oh, so remember the when scene. When they're doing yeah. the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Matt Damon and the other That's Hemsworth right. brother. Yeah, That's so right. she's, the, she's the other sister. So I'm going to keep ah, an eye out for her on that one. Interesting. Uh, but she's so, she's so fantastic. Uh, and uh, yeah, a little bit in love with her now. Cool. Good, good. Um, cool. All right, then. <coughs> so, yes, I, I, I've not decided exactly how I'm going to title this episode yet, but it's going to be something along the lines of everything you never knew that you could ask about the Starship Troopers franchise. Because <laughs> I don't think anyone knew that it was a franchise. So, well, I mean, to be fair, any film that's more than two now is is classed as a franchise, isn't pretty it? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's certainly like I say. When you look at the expanse of the TV and video stuff that's been done within Starship Troopers, spinning off the nineteen ninety seven film, there is a huge amount of stuff. Mm. Um, but so teaming up again a decade after RoboCop. Um, well, uh, they wrote the co- uh, he co wrote the RoboCop script anyway with Michael Miner, Ed Newmeyer, who is the co writer of the script for Starship Troopers. And Paul Verhoeven team up to bring us another fascist state satire in the form of 1997's Starship Troopers. 
And here you go. Here's where I'm even incorrect, because my line says, thus beginning the Starship Troopers franchise, which I'm incorrect on. Because actually, I then discovered in 1988, there was a Japanese animation done based on the book featuring Juan Rico, because he is from Buenos Aires. So in the book, his name is Juan, not Johnny. Yeah, but you can't but do they that. Call him Johnny. American. Well, exactly. But uh, his his nickname <laughs> his nickname is Johnny anyway. But yes, so there is a Japanese. How do you go animation. from Juan to Johnny? Like Juan is a really easy like couple of well, syllables. Juan. Okay. Well, John Juan, in the, Juan uh, is the Spanish okay. for John, isn't it? So that's. I don't know. I don't know my yeah, Spanish yeah. names. Okay. okay. Yep. Pedro is Pete in Spanish. Oh, okay. Or Peter okay. in Spanish. Okay. I don't know what Fluffy is in Spanish. I've got to be honest. Like <laughs> That's German, isn't it? Yeah, uh, probably Meister is, yeah, definitely. Uh so this the mainline Starship Troopers franchise. Now again, I, I reckon there's people who may be listening who don't even know that there is a mainline film franchise. So we had Starship Troopers in ninety seven, which was uh, cinema release, uh, then followed by two straight to DVD sequels. Uh, the first one being Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation, in 2004, I think. And Starship Troopers Marauder. Uh, Starship Troopers 3, Marauder, which was something like 2007. I've been really crap and I've not written down my years. I'm normally very good with that. And, you know, again, many people may think that that was it. But no. After that, we also had two animated, uh, like CGI mm-hmm. animated feature-length films in 2012 and 2017, which were Starship Troopers Invasion and Starship Troopers Traitors on Mars, or Traitor of Mars. Uh, and like I say, that was as recently as 2017, so you know, it, they've still been going with it. Surely it's due for a, a well, remake we'll get or a re- oh, okay. Oh, so, no, no, no. I want to jump ahead. And... There was also a cancelled TV series in 99 to 2000, which was called Roughnecks, the Starship Troopers Chronicles. So the animated stuff doesn't involve Ed Neumeyer, the writer. Now, the reason I'm I'm going to Ed Neumeyer and you'll hear his name is because, as I say, he co-wrote the script for Starship Troopers. He also co-wrote Robocop, which is interesting because I think there are comparisons you can make uh, between the two in the writing style, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly on the satirical elements, particularly. but he didn't have anything to do with the rest of this expanded universe. So he wrote all three of the mainline movies and he directed the third. Uh, none of the original cast seemed to come back for these animated ones. But I did notice, weirdly, and I, I haven't watched it to find out because I watched it years ago, I think, when it came out. And I haven't rewatched it for this because I didn't have time. But Casper Van Diem and Dina Mayer, both voice Rico and Diz in the 2017 Starship Troopers Traitors on Mars. And I don't know how Dizzy's in it. She's dead. Yeah, and we watch her with Rico from getting into the mobile infantry up to the point she dies, don't we, in the first film? Yeah. So we cover her whole story. There's no bit that we, you know, she flew off to Mars for three years and then came back again. They do... They do do the whole uh, at one point, you know, he's injured, considered killed in action, true, and true, but it doesn't put, put him in the vat and they rebuild him. Not yeah. to say that this is ridiculous, but they've just, you know, they've gone, mm. oh, let's find a skin cell 
and rebuild a kind yeah, of a deal. Exactly. Who's the fucking say? You know. I yes, you're right. So potentially that's a thing, and they are very lax about giving us any sort of time frame for that in the film. We don't know how long Johnny's in that vat in total. Mm-hmm. We only see him in the vat when he's got three days left. But it doesn't look like a huge amount of time has passed to me. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, he's been promoted about fifteen times by that stage, anyway, because that's that's just the way it goes in the in that film. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, that must be horrible. I'm right close to the microphone. Um, so yeah, the uh, I like I say I won't cover any of this extended stuff, but it just made me laugh that quite how much there was. I knew the the. Uh, one of the animated films existed. I didn't realize there was another one. I certainly didn't realize the Roughnecks uh, series, which apparently covers uh, Radchek's Roughnecks before we see them in Starship Troopers. Okay. And our main cast joined them in Starship Troopers. So it covers that crew pre the first film. So, I mean, the reason we, oh, for anyone that didn't hear, but we started discussing this because I, I brought it up as a, uh, it's one of it was one of my contenders for uh, worst, my worst best fav- film. Yeah, best worst film. My yeah. my favorite bad film. Um, and the more I watch it, the more I was like, you know, what? I'm not actually sure this is that bad. And obviously, that was <laughs> the discussion I had with you when when we mentioned it. Is that yeah. I've, I I read some very glowing articles about it. Who actually, you know, and and some sort of film thesis deconstructions over it, and was like, you know, what? maybe there is something in this then. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I just like it because it's a bit rubbish and a bit over the top and a bit actiony yeah, and nuts. That's it. It's it's got all the makings of that crazy thing. Like it, it was that it was that late '90s era kind of film. Um, not not very high profile actors or actresses, kind of under the under the radar. Yeah, a few veteran actors in there that you're going to recognise. Clancy Brown. Um, yeah. My my side, yeah. (laughs) So you know, um, you've got a little bit of uh, crazy CGI in there. Not too much. It looks better than some of the shitty stuff. So they put a little bit of a budget behind it. Yeah, yeah, Uh, it had a good budget. Yeah, you've got a hot hot actress in Denise Richards. Whatever happened to Denise Richards? That's a discussion for a whole podcast. I feel. Um, And you know, you've got resurgence of uh, of MPH Neil Patrick Harris, who just just a fantastic small role in this. He looks like fifteen. It's hilarious. He looks like fifteen. Bless him. Trust me. If I mean, I I watched. how I Met Your Mother, way, way back when. Yeah. That, that's one where I would love to discuss just the ending of that, my God. But again, you watch that and you go through that and you look at it and go, isn't this guy in his like late 30s, maybe early 40s at this point? He still looks like he's in his 20s. He's yeah. one of these guys that does not fucking age. Maybe. Don't know how he does it, but yeah, he, he does not age. So it was it was one of these quirky storylines, quirky uh, you know, bunch of actors, and it just seemed to work. I don't mm. know why. There were just some of these late 90s films which you looked at on on, on the heart and thought, oh, God, this is going to be shit. But you just switched off and enjoyed it. Yeah, that's it. And that, that, that yeah, I think you're right there. It's, it's, that's when it's good. If you go into this film and, and critically analyze it, oh, you're not going to have any fun. No. You've got to turn your brain off and you've got to go. But I always, you know, I'm happy to do that, but I will, you know, you've always got to try and be objective at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I like to think that I'm able to go, oh, yeah, I love this. Don't get me wrong. I, I think most people would think it's shit, but it does it for me. There mm-hmm. is something about it that works for me. 
and I just get dragged along with it. And as you say, it's because I just turn my brain off and I get pulled along with the pace because it is a fairly pacey film. Mm. Um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't let up really. Like there's really. a couple of moments where it's like, okay, we're gonna die things down for a moment, but that just ramps up the suspense because a bug suddenly attacks. You That's know, it. it's not. I think the only calm sort pace. of phases you get yeah. are in the early bit of the sort of drill. Uh, yeah, know, when they're when, when they're, they're going through the drill instructor yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. But even then, incidents occur. Well, that's so it, it still keep... heightens the tension. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, this film is uh, about a race of uh, bugs that live in the Clendathu system uh, <laughs> that have been at war with us for many, many years. We're in the future. We go. Yeah, we've got space. Uh, you know, stuff, and we've got a defensive thing around the moon that keeps blowing up asteroids that the bugs are throwing at us um and we focus on three friends who are just coming out of school and are left with the decision of what they want to do now in this universe it is what we would consider a fascist state um so uh the you know it's all for the state uh you can only vote if you are a uh, classed as a citizen, not a civilian. Uh, and citizens, you only become a citizen by basically serving your country in some way or serving the state in some way. So one of those options is to go and fight in the war. And you do a tour of service in the war. And when you've finished, you are then uh, considered a citizen. You get all the rights that a citizen of the state has. And you, you can then vote uh, in the various political things that that happen, but what I found really interesting is actually from reading the um, uh, reading the doing the research and looking back at the book and things. Uh, you know, Robert A. Heinlein, when he first wrote this, he considered it, it was his idea of utopia. Essentially, mm. he considered that this is the way it should be. Now. I don't particularly, reading around him, I don't particularly think he was a, a fascist. He was a bit, you know, right wing, if that's the right wing. I'm really crap with my right and left wings, I'm sorry. But, he, you he's know, whichever winger. one, whichever wing fascism. He's on, a winger. He was more leaning that way, but he, he wasn't necessarily a full-on fascist. Because, you know, interestingly, it makes, parts of it make sense. You know, yes, if uh, to, to, to get a part of the state and to be a part of the governed state, you need to serve the state in some way. And then the state rewards you by doing this. And, you know, on paper, it all seems perfectly fine. But of course, we know <laughs> from numerous times over in human history, fascism doesn't actually work that way in practice yeah. because you're adding in human nature and greed and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I found it really interesting that the actual writer of the book didn't consider it a fascist work, yet, you know, history has painted it as such in all interpretations of the book um so yes we then follow these three guys one of them goes into the military intelligence who's neil patrick harris's carl yeah like he's not actually in it that much so his name is the one no he's very well he's in like he gets drafted into the intelligence and then we see him in the video snippets yeah. that's the kind of the link for him like he's yeah. going in and like using guns and stuff like that to kill yeah. bugs and show them how like to that. do it where yeah. to aim for uh uh denise richards dizzy uh not dizzy sorry uh carmen ends up mm -hmm. going uh to fleet which is you know the air force basically a pilot the air force yeah to be a pilot 
um, and Rico, because he's thick, um, is going to go and be mobile infantry, boots on the ground. Um, there's exactly there's a lot of stuff around, uh, you know, uh, sort of fleet and mobile infantry. You know, the, the, again, the, the the sort of silliness you'd get between the RAF and the army and the navy <laughs> yeah. and so on and so forth. Ah, uh, yeah, the, you know, all the divisions that there may be within those units. Yeah, and the way that they look at each other. Again, the yeah, the the way that they look at each other, it's like, oh, I'm a pilot. Oh, you're an infantryman. Oh, mm. I'm better than you. And all this, it's like, guys, you're you're all in the fucking military. You're Again, all a bunch of Yeah, but it's Just the way the systems you know? designed, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that makes it, it that yeah. way because yeah. the pilots are officers. If you yeah. become a pilot you become an officer because you were intelligent enough to go to fleet rather than having to go to MI. So you, you become an officer and then yeah, you do rank above any mobile infantry officer pretty much. Mm -hmm. It's really weird, but you know, again, you know, for such a a turn your brain off, silly film, there is actually quite a lot to the the, the interpolitical dynamics and Mm -hmm. uh, the way the military set up. Um, So let's just take some points I've got here. Let's discuss the cast. So we've mentioned the basics. You've got Casper Van Dien, who's um, uh, Johnny Rico. He's our sort of main guy. He's our main grunt. He goes and is the army man. Uh, Denise Richards, as we said, is Carmen Ibanez, who is uh, the pilot that we, we catch up with at various points through the thing. Uh, to start the film, she is dating Johnny, but dumps him quite heartbreakingly heart, uh, partway through the film he gets, he gets a dear john letter he funny does his name's johnny you know exactly yeah. it's clever it's good um <laughs> then uh, obviously we've got mph as we've said uh clancy brown we've mentioned who Fantastic. plays commander zim who is the uh my as i said previously is my favorite sort of tongue-in-cheek version of Ali Ermi's, um drill sergeant from full metal jacket mm-hmm. i love clancy brown's version and of course, the constant shouts of medic when he's injured. So someone. good, he's just such but a great actor. The way they play that is brilliant because even something this simple, right? Just for a little, not it's not a joke, but it's it, it, it's good. It's good script writing. At the end of the day, it, it calls back to previous things. So during all of the training, we get Clancy Brown's Zim is the one shouting medic after he's broken someone's arm or after mm-hmm. he's thrown a knife into someone's hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that bit is fucking brilliant with Jake Busey. He's another one yeah. I was going to come on to. But yeah, Jake Busey, why do I... Why They're just going to put a button. They're just going to push a button. Why do we need to you know to throw knives? And he just pulls one out of the board, flips it, throws it straight into Jake Busey's hand. And he's like, well, you see, the enemy cannot push the button if we <laughs> disable their hand. Pulls the knife out. Medic! Medic! <laughs> but, <laughs> We get quite a few of those with Clancy Brown doing the medic. Then, of course, when something bad happens with Johnny and his team, it's emphasized. Johnny's the one that shouts medic. And you notice, and it makes a difference. Yeah. Now, again, all right, do I care that that character's died? Not particularly, because we hadn't really been introduced to him. I think he's the big dumb farm one, because there's there's the, the, you know, I was going to come onto it as a, a separate point, but the the unnecessary nudity uh, in the shower scene, mm. 
where everyone's naked and just talking about you know doing the exposition of hey why did you get into this hey why yeah are you and here? i'm sorry but at no point any of the guys the all the guys are like oh, i level forward i'm sorry i'm sorry that's just bullshit uh, it's just not realistic i'm sorry <laughs> i'm just not buying it i bet if you watch it again there's a few having a sneaky look in the background yeah just quickly looked at Ooh. just saw oh, cameras in my face shit right look straight ahead straight ahead straight ahead even the girls gone, you know even the girls i'd be like come on let's face it yeah you, you <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna be looking out. at. Not Come on. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I mean it is you know it's essentially unnecessary nudity. There's no need no need for that to happen. There. Again, but that course, was one of the things though. That this is it. It's a late nineties film. How yeah. are you gonna attract people to the audience? Throw a bit of nudity yeah. in. Well, there. that's it. If you it's an eighteen already. Fuck it. Put some nudity in there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. We've already got the eighteen rating. So just chuck a bit in there. Yeah. And like you say, yeah, you get all the teenage fanboys. Let's see, nineteen ninety seven. I was. Christ, about 14. So I was too young to go and see Starship Troopers. But I probably watched it on video or something. Mm. Um, yes. Now, the, the nudity I put, well, it's Verhoeven. What did we expect from the man who did Showgirls? Um, which was actually the year after, I think. Um, but I mention it here as it kind of does become a theme as we go through the straight to DVD stuff. Yeah, it's it, that's the thing. It's one of these things that is a trope of the film. Like mm. when you do the sequels, which you know have been watched since, uh, that that's it. They basically look at the first one and go, "Okay, we'll just copy that formula. We'll do this. Yeah. We'll do and this. Again, we'll do this with this. We have a we need a nude scene. Okay, who, who's a hot actress at the moment? That person will do. Okay, we'll, we'll show her. But uh, you know, that's that's basically how it kind of went in this one. Mm. Um, and yeah, obviously because the rest of them are written by the same guy, and he did spend the rest of the time trying to recapture what the first one did um so who else is in the cast that we need to talk about there's jake Busey we mentioned um dizzy flores torres 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 yes torres so dizzy torres played by dina mayer who's um she's like an old friend of johnny and carmen and everyone but mostly johnny because she fancies him and always has um, and they do the stupid childish thing of like Johnny joins up with the military because Carmen's joining and he wants to stay close to Carmen, but then realizes it won't work. And Diz joins up because of Johnny because she wants to stay close to Johnny. Um, then who's the other ones? There's one in the Roughnecks, uh, Seth Gillum. I can't remember his character's name. Seth Gillum is one of the main Roughnecks. Oh, mm. I love Seth Gillum, he's awesome. Um, Mostly, I remember him from The Wire. I'm sure he was in The Wire. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, yes, he was in The Wire. Yeah, that's where I, I remember him from. I love him. He, he's a, a great actor. I quite liked him in this as well. When we first meet him, he's quite. Yeah, good. he's been in Walking Dead as of late, I think, hasn't he? That's it. That's where I know him from most recently. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, yes, we then, and he's part of uh, Radcheck's Roughnecks, who, which introduces us to Michael Ironside as Lieutenant Radcheck who we see earlier in the film as uh, Johnny and Carmen and Dizzy's teacher mm -hmm. at the school. Um, which again, passage of time thing. He very quickly goes from being a teacher 
to being a lieutenant ah. with his own band of rebels yeah. who are like big, hard asses, well-respected veterans. Well, the thing is, the thing is, is that you've got to look at it because obviously they've come from Buenos Aires yeah. and that's where they were based, like as a school and stuff like that. And they look and they see on the on the newsreel or whatever an asteroid goes and blows the shit out of Buenos Aires. Absolutely. Well, his school no longer exists and his home no longer exists. No, no, no. He's just going to re-enlist in the military. Why the fuck not? You know, no, I, I, you know. Hey, I don't disagree with... I don't know why I'm trying to provide logic to this I, film. I don't know. It seems completely, completely irregardless of, of any of this logic. So let's just move on. <laughs> well, no, my point isn't... My point isn't why would he do that. I get why he would do that. My point is the timeline. Because by the time the meteor hits Buenos Aires, uh, Johnny is pretty much at the end of his training mm. and is just about to leave and wash out as the meteor hits and they all get told they're going to fight. So there is a very short period of time there for Radchek to decide he's going to be go out, fight in lots of battles and get well respected with a unit if he only started at that stage. Sure. Because by that point, we've already been through the training of Rico and his team. And, you know, that could be months. I would accept that that could be the period of time where Radchek's out doing, you know, building his legacy. I just don't think he is. But actually, the more I talk about this, the more I think you're absolutely right. And that. I shouldn't go looking for logic in the chambers of a <laughs> no, no. Starship Troopers script, should I? To be fair, to be fair, in reality, you know, you've got people who who do like part time, you know, go go and serve in the military on a weekend basis and stuff like. That. Who's to say this isn't what his weekend job was? Yes, of course, he was a member of the Territorial Army. I forgot. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, the satire. Let's look at the satire in the film. So again, let here's where my uh, the I think we can make a, a couple of comparisons towards uh, RoboCop. So in RoboCop, we get the um, you get advertising, don't we? We get to see adverts occasionally uh, through the film uh, that are from the telly, and obviously they're very uh, you know they're very propaganda adverts, uh, and they are very fascist in nature. So that has sort of come across to Starship Troopers with the um, sort of infomercials, I'll call them, which is, uh, yeah, sort of a, hey, today in the Republic, this happened. And it's the very upbeat propaganda, you know, we're fighting and we'll win. We need mm-hmm. you to join the mobile infantry. And, you know, it, it, it's all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, like you say, when you get the ones that are, uh, like when the Buenos Aires meteor hits, and it's a, a solemn day in the Federation. Mm-hmm. As the bugs strike again, yeah. Buenos Aires has been wiped off the map, and you know it, it, it's it, it's very well done. There are some cracking ones in there, like you say, when it's uh, the 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 little one with Neil Patrick Harris, uh, sort of halfway through the film, where he's showing them how to shoot the bug properly. <laughs> yeah, take like, it down aims quickly. all over. No, 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 aim but, for his head. Aim yeah, for this exactly. section. But that bit starts with um, on like a street with some kids doing their part for the re- for the resistance for the federation by just jumping on cockroaches i was going to say yeah i'm laughing and joking like that. Yeah, and yeah. the bit i love the most is that it ends on the mum who's watching all this happening just laughing <laughs> yeah and she's yeah. got a proper manic look on her face yeah. like they did it so well because it instantly comes across that this is fuck what is this this is fucking mental and that's the point you know that's what we're trying to say is jesus christ how fucking ridiculous some of these ideas are and we're poking fun at 
the thing that is being stupid. And that's, you know, that's the point. We 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 sometimes create characters and make uh, in in cinema. And it's, you know, it's been this way for years and years, uh, particularly in the old days. If there's something that we want to mock, that we feel is a popular idea, that is, or you know, an underground idea, maybe uh, that we that we don't approve of, we can create a character in movies and make those people make that character say the things that that we think are wrong. And we can then mock that character and mm. take that character down as and that is a that is the filmmaker showing I disagree with these ideas and I am going to make fun of these ideas so that you know that it's absolutely bollocks, that there's no nothing tangible or serious for you to get into here. Mm. Uh and I, I think that's you know, when you do that properly with the bits of satire and stuff, I think it works really well. Um, but you know, <laughs> the idea the ideas are still essentially fascism. Um, I. What's next? Action. So I've got just notes to talk about the action and the sort of big action sequences and stuff. I think they've dated really well, actually. I think it's surprising. You look, look back quite at some of these, uh, these, these late nineties films and it's like, you know, the two thousands kind of dip it's weird to, mm. to say that like you think about films in the 2000s but late 90s again it's kind of uh like you look at say something like independence day mm. i mean granted on a different scale and a different budget completely but yeah. you compare something like independence day to even independence day 2 my god independence day is so much better action wise yeah. than independence day 2 for fuck's sake yeah. uh you know even with all the advanced cgi and stuff like that because the story narrative actually fits it instead of going let's put as much cgi in in there as possible it's one of the reasons that i absolutely do not like like um some of the 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 potter stuff uh no controversial probably talking about potter at the moment uh but the ah uh, christ almighty fantastic beasts stuff yes one of the reasons i really don't like them is because of this massive okay here's a here's a city let's put a whole city of cgi and spend 20 minutes over the course of the film doing cgi all over the place in the city no doesn't need it doesn't need it focus no, on I the totally story agree. and, and yeah, i think you've is, hit the nail on the head there this is the you know when they've got the battle scenes where you know rico takes down the big bug uh the big kind of armored bug in the in the in the yep. kind of first big battle it's justified um it's part of the story but again they don't go okay like, here's 50 other bugs and stuff like that they narrow it they, they go okay there's a couple over here a couple over here we're going to focus on this little section here and yeah. it works and it's the same in space and stuff like that they don't go too extravagant um you know again because this is the world versus Plendathru. Um, you could have a million fucking starships. You can have a million troopers, but they're not. They're grounding it a little bit more mm. in what they're capable of doing. And I think that's where the action works best. Mm. Don't don't go too far. Don't go outside of your budget. Um, and uh, j just as another side, before we even before we even move on, did you realise that in this film, watching this, I realised that, that not only do you have Lex Luthor, you have Darkseid. No, who's Darkseid? Dark Ironside. Ironside. Of course. Brown with Lex Luthor. So there you go. The link back to Justice League uh, cartoons, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to throw it in there. Yeah. Sorry. I keep forgetting that as well because that is another one of those shows. Like yes. basically every actor or yeah. actress yeah. of 
some sort of prominence or decency voiced yep. a character on Justice League or Justice League Unlimited at some point, even yeah. if it was just one episode. Uh, yeah, so you're absolutely just, right. I, yeah, of course he was. Because I was like, yeah, that's on and Lately, anyway, I bet there's more in there because if the I remember rightly, is... if I remember rightly, Dina Mayer voiced someone. Possibly, I remember seeing her name in the credits. Okay, you carry on. I'm going to look into this. Yeah, you carry on. Because I, you know what? I'm you, probably you, wrong, you... but I'm going to say Hawk Girl. Okay. I'm so looking. you look into that. So yes, the action. I I agree with you. I think uh, I think a lot of it is the practicality because again, this uh, the budget for this, as far as I can find, was somewhere around fifty five million, something like that. Um, but yeah, when they're on the planets and the the, the uh, they're fighting the bugs up close, it is practical effects. It is actual models that have been made with sloppiness, you know, with 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 uh, gore to come out of them. I mean, essentially, it's just you know green slime or orange slime but <laughs> it's uh it, you know it, it helps to add to the effect um yes yeah, so the bit i was going to say about the um uh that you mentioned where he's on the back of the big armored bug and he throws the grenade into the top and blows the whole thing up it's it, yeah it's cool it looks really good i think in space there is a bit more cg than uh there is quite a bit of cg in the space stuff but i just think it looks we don't question it as much because in space we know it can't be real. You know, we mm. know it's not actually a camera in space looking at these spaceships actually in space. Whereas when we're on the ground of a planet, we can identify with being on that planet ourselves. Mm. And then, you know, so if it looks like that bug is, you know, because again, it's about the light generally. As long as the light shines and reflects off the right parts of the bug and it matches the person that stood in front of it in the real light, that's how you get it to work. So. Um, yeah, I, I think all that's really good. However, there is a really funny bit in there that uh, I noticed. Uh, just total continuity bullshit. But uh, before Rico does the big bug, there's a bit where uh, Seth Gillum is uh, shooting into a bug after he's killed it and getting splattered all over his face with mm. the green shit. And Diz walks up alongside him and sort of pulls him off it. And she gets a little bit splattered on her right hand side. Just a little bit. Mm. A few specks in that first in that first scene. Mm. About two scenes later, the entire Sorry. half of her face is covered in green <laughs> and her mask. It's hilarious. Okay. I was just like, oh, that's oh, that's a continuity one there. Right there. Should have had a look at the days before rushes before you did that. Go on, you found the information. Tell us. I found the information. Now she wasn't in Justice League cartoon. Oh, okay. So unfortunately we'll oh, have to okay. put that. I've put, obviously put that remembered one. an anime. However, However, this is interesting, based on, on that comment, she was actually in the Birds of Prey 2002 series as Barbara Gordon. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the live-action series way back when, yeah, Birds yeah, of Prey, yeah, I remember she that. was in that. She huh. was in that as Barbara Gordon, so there you go. Interesting. Huh. How funny. And she also starred in, uh, in Wild Things 2. So there you go. A, a connection with uh, Denise wow. Richards. Well, it's called Wild Things Diamonds in the Rough. Did they sure do it too? I know they did like three of them. I think I'm sure they did like did three they? of them. Yeah, not none of them ever lived up to the to to the original. Um, oh Christ, there's four. Well, there's four. Wow, wow. I don't think that's going to be a podcast special though. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> you guess, guess what the fourth one's called? Oh God, go on. <clears throat> Wild things: colon foursome. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sure. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So. Okay. Uh, oh, go away, Google. Didn't want you to do that. So, God, this one's been a bit all over the place and shit, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> apologies, everyone. Uh, so now I would like. I, I I'd like to make. I mean, uh, okay, no, I'm going to leave that point for the end. Um, to close on. I laughed quite a bit at I because there's there's particular lines in this that keep coming up again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the probably the most famous being, "Come on, you apes, you want to live forever." To which my answer would be, "Well, no, but a little bit longer than the next three seconds might be nice." Um, you know, as you're running full pelt towards a swarm of bugs that will kill you in three seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's there's a bit where because Radcheck does his I can't remember the whole thing and stupidly I didn't write it down but he does a I only have one rule everyone fights no one quit if you quit I'll shoot you myself or something like that and when he does it when he first introduces himself to the roughnecks and is like you know being the hard ass lieutenant guy it works really well now obviously Michael Ironside unfortunately dies part way through. Um, and Rico has to shoot him to kill him because mm-hmm. he'd expect that. He'd expect anyone to yeah, kill him. Yeah, he's like, come on, fucking do it. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's almost on. calling him a pussy. Yeah, at that yeah point, basically. Not doing basically, it. you're absolutely right. You can see the word forming on his lips of you fucking pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Although, you know the thing I've never understood in that? Because there's two occasions. Because obviously someone, it, it starts um, when they're walking through a thing, walking through a valley and someone gets carted away by a flying bug. And Ironside, uh, my, uh, Radchek grabs the gun and shoots the guy to kill him. And he's like, I'd, I'd expect anyone to do the same for me. Um, why does he shoot him in the chest? Shoot him in the head, man. It's a bigger target. This okay. is, this is, you know, no, no, no. The reason I know this is because I've watched enough. Because uh, you're actually a serial killer who shoots people for a living? You're John okay. Wick. That's okay. who you are. You are John Wick, aren't you? I, I, I told you this off pod. We can't talk about that. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Illuminati will be at my door. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So the, the, there is a genuine reason for this, because I've always wondered this in films and TV and stuff like that. You always find them, like, unless they are a sniper, like we talked about Shifty in uh, yeah. in, in the Band of Brothers. He was he was probably a headshot guy because he was, he was that good of a shot. But the whole point, and the reason that they do kind of do this in TV and film is that you always go for the body because it's the biggest surface area. And that is when you see, like, uh, when, you know, people are always practicing shooting uh, in a shooting range and stuff like that. You've got the, you've always got the, the, the you know, make uh, the, the silhouette of uh, an individual, but you've always got the, the, the target. Yeah, there's one on the head, but there's always one on the chest. Yeah. And they always go for the chest because it's the bigger surface area. And that's the thing. It's something that is commonly talked about in movie and TV. Why do they do this and why do they do not? Well, actually, because it's a bigger surface area, it makes more logical sense. It's the only way. If you're trying to shoot the head, you could just be winging it. Left, right, and center. You need to go for the central mass. That's the only reason I know that because I've watched enough film and TV stuff and they all talk about how in the war, uh, you know, in war stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's when the experts come in and they talk about, oh, okay, this scene is really good for X, Y, and Z. And oh, I've watched yeah, yeah. a few of mean. these and they talk about it and they go, no. The realism is, yeah, you you would want in that film for them to go and do a headshot, but that just isn't realistic. They need to, do it. yeah, and that's so that's the reason why. 
Um, Again, I'm trying to provide no, plausibility. No, no, it's fine. It's absolutely I'm fine. sorry. I did, no, I'm no, no. My, it wasn't a film <laughs> problem. It was just a. My thought is that you go slightly. You know, again, if you miss the heart, mm-hmm. you're not killing that person instantly. And I thought the whole point was to kill them instantly. So I just thought a headshot would guarantee that. But I get what you're saying, sure. absolutely, and I don't disagree. Thinking about it as well, they've probably all got helmets on as well, so you probably wouldn't get a clean. You'd have to go sort of aim to go up under their chin and through the top of their head or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, that was far too much detail to think about. Yeah, there is. My point was when Rico finally takes over the Roughnecks, I piss myself the first time he tries to do Michael Ironside's speech because I'm sorry, Casper Van Dien, but at that stage, mate, you just you're too young. <laughs> You've got no gravel in your voice. There's nothing behind it. It it's sounds like just a parody. Like, <laughs> you know, I only have not... one rule. Everyone fights. No one quits. Everyone if you quit, I'll me. shoot you myself. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't quite have the same level of gravitas, mate. No. Uh, anyway, final point I want to make. Being a bit serious for a minute, there is a massive, massive problem in this film, probably more than one, with female characters. And I just wanted to highlight this to anyone who, who you know, is maybe of a younger disposition, uh, hopefully not too young listening to this because we do swear like fuck. But, um, you know, uh, I know you. No, no, I don't like that. Oh, one. you no, said the bad no. word, Wayne. It wasn't me this time. No, it Wayne, wasn't me, Wayne. Leak that out. I'm Wayne, that, that was not me. It was not me. Don't know why I said that word. <laughs> I want, wasn't it bleeping. I want it bleeping at least. I'm not going to bother trying to cut around all this bollocks, but I am at least going to try uh, and bleep you. that out. It was you. I see, yeah, when I, I, do, I do it intentionally to wind Wayne up, you did it unintentionally. Yeah, I know. I was just... yeah. Anyway, there is a problem here. Let's be serious. <laughs> I, I have a real, real issue with the Dizzy character, Dizzy Torres. Mm. And I think it illustrates the... I don't quite know how to phrase it, but there was an attempt because framing this film in the wider world, nineteen mid nineties, sort of ninety five, ninety six. That was Spice Girls, I believe, and girl power being, you know, starting to become a big thing. I I think that was about right. I think it was ninety five, ninety six. Those sort of timelines, right? And what what films had started trying to do was was you know, give female characters the same roles as men to a degree. So in this film, they threw a load of females in to be mobile infantry alongside the hunky men who were being the mobile infantry soldiers. Um, I find one of... Th- there's th- Going back to that shower scene where they're finding out all they do, it. one of the women, her reason for wanting to be a citizen is because she wants to have babies. Yeah. And it's much easier to get a license. Now the license yep. thing isn't an issue, but that's her drive in life is to have babies. Is she is she the one that gets washed out because she kills somebody in the end? I can't remember. Yeah, she's the one who actually yeah. shoots the the big dumb farm boy in the head that causes Rico to then try and leave. Mm-hmm. Um I and I just I, I look at that and I mean I'm not a woman. I don't know. Is that okay? It just strikes me that that seems like quite a base sort of thing. Now again in this modern day, I don't know who to apologise to. I apologise to anyone who does 
who their drive in life is to have babies because that's absolutely fine each to their own i don't mind i'm just speaking in this as a point of view of strong female characters and isn't that a bit of a backward step now that isn't the worst because like i say dizzy torres is the worst she is a character who is supposed to like they think they're giving her a role that is as good as the men and she stands up with the men and she's you know she back chats the men she banters with the men she's just as fucking nails as the men in the field she'll run out there on point and take on the bugs right and that's commendable in one way the problem is they undercut the entire thing with the actual character's motivations and drives during the film she she's joins the mobile johnny. infantry because she's in love with johnny who doesn't love her she knows he doesn't love her because mm -hmm. he's in love with Carmen. Mm -hmm. He then, Carmen dumps him. Mm -hmm. So she then turns it on because she's like, right, well, he's mine now. Yeah. And after a big battle on planet P, they have sex, more unnecessary nudity. And then, so you're like, okay, so now you guys are together and shagging, even though there is then a sequence after that where Johnny sees Carmen and clearly goes a bit wistful and is like, oh, I still love her. So mm. again, you're, you're clear from the, mo the male point of view that he doesn't care for this woman particularly, Dizzy. He doesn't really care for her. His, his heart She's is still with Carmen. She's a quote-unquote buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to the, avoid the swearing the, now. The biggest problem, I mean, you know, because all of that is a problem. That shouldn't be the character's motivations. But the worst bit for me, and I only noticed it this time, and honestly, I I hate it. I couldn't stand it when I realised that this, that Dizzy Torres's final line in the film, as she's dying in Re mm. well, not even in Rico's arms, because she's in someone else's arms while Rico looks at her, because he's more interested in going and seeing Carmen, who's flying the plane that they've just picked her up on. Her final line is, it's okay, Johnny, I got to have you. So it's fine that she's going to die because she got to fuck a man. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And you know what the thing is, mate? I, I've watched this film multiple times before and I've never had a problem with that line. It's not that I'm suddenly jumping on some bandwagon. I'm mm. noticing these days that because I am father to a daughter... Mm. I'm noticing this stuff a lot more because I think to myself, if if my daughter were to watch this film, I don't want her to think that mm. that, that is some sort of life well lived, some sort of successful mm. thing to aim for. Yeah, it's fine. Just base your life around being with a bloke. Fuck off. Do what you want to do. I, and that's the way it should be. And I, you know, it is a it's a massive problem, as obviously we've seen in the most recent weeks with things being taken off streaming services because they contain references that are no longer, uh, you know, okay in this day and age. Not that they were ever okay, actually. That's the wrong thing to say. They were never okay. Yeah. But for some reason, we accepted it in the past and now we won't accept it. So that's that's absolutely fine. But, you know, there is this, it's becoming clear to me that there is also this, you know, there is a history of, bad female present representation in films and again to any females listening i apologize i'm late to the party i'm apologize i'm late in realizing this but you know at the end of the day i am a product of the system i'm from and i am a you know a lower middle class white guy who grew up in rural villages and shit i i i don't have that much experience of the wider world i didn't know 
as I was growing up, that when I was watching Starship Troopers, that that representation was bad because that is the representation that magazines like Loaded and FHM were throwing at me. That was the that was okay. That was fine. And it's only after the events when you get out of the teenage hormones that you start to realize that maybe your opinions that you've been, you know, with the things you've been brought up thinking are okay are actually not. And maybe you think you need to look at that. Like I say, may not be the same for everyone, but certainly, as I say, I'm uh, the more I go on, the more I am noticing, uh, the more I disagree and dislike a lot of female portrayals, particularly as as we go back through time. And that's not to say there aren't bad portrayals of other types of of people, you know, of of color, of ethnicity, of gender, of uh, sexual orientation. There are bad representations of all of that as well. My point is that I'm just starting to notice this you know, female representation, I assume, because I am father to a daughter who is coming towards her teenage years. Uh, and it's just opening my mind to these sort of things and, and the sort of uh, the situation as it stood in those days. I, I finished. I finished my roundabout waffly way of trying to say that I'm becoming more aware of things that I should have been aware of all along. And I'm apologize. I'm late to the party. I don't, I don't think it's anything to apologize for. Like you say, uh, you know, as as we've discussed many many times over the the you know the course of the pods, everything that we talk about is uh, is subjective anyway. You know, it, it's our Absolutely. opinions on certain things. But it's also something that we've touched on before when we rewatch certain films or certain TV series. We always pick up on changes uh, and different nuances that we didn't have previously. Hmm. Because we're mature, because we look at things in a different perspective. And this is it. You find an enjoyment in a TV show back when you're younger. And then you look at it 20 years later and you can go, yeah, I really love it for the nostalgia of that. But you know what? Actually, there's this and there's this and there's this. One of the guys uh, from uh, from work at the moment, we were talking about uh, Mythic Quest, uh, Raven's Banquet. Encourage everybody to go and watch. And we were talking about that. And as I was talking about that... Um, he was like, oh, yeah, I'll get around to watching it. I wanted to watch it, but I've actually been watching this other show. So, oh, okay, what's that? Avatar The Last Airbender? Yay! And that was it. I was like, you know what, dude? Every time I have a conversation with you, you just go up a little bit in my estimation. <laughs> uh, he's, he's an always sunny fan as well. He's uh, He's been watching a little bit of, uh, of AEW and stuff. And yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, I haven't got around to Korra. I just wanted to re-watch Avatar before I watched Korra. I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, so you know uh, but this is it it was again having a conversation with him even he was like you know i watched this years ago when i was a kid he's a, he's a bit younger than you and i mm-hmm. so we watched it in our early 20s i think it was yeah, i think i probably watched it while i was at uni or something yeah um so we watched it a little bit later age but he watched it when he was younger so again just having that discussion about how things change and perspectives mm-hmm. it's it's understandable the the older you get well do you have any final things to say on Starship Troopers, the first one? It was just, I mean, it was just absolute nonsense. It but is. enjoyable nonsense all the same. Yeah. Great, great uh, performances by most of the cast, really. Let's face it. It was a, it was a, not even a B movie. This was a PQ movie, maybe? It wasn't. Oh, yeah, a- I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, it was, it was weird, though, because it was kind of like a big budget B movie. Yeah. Like, but it, it, wasn't it had a- the B movie sensibility. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, it was weird. But again, like managing to get some quality actors, Clancy Brown, Michael Ironside, mm. quality veteran actors that really are character actors as well. 
that are kind of filling that role. You've got up and comers, Casper Van Dien. He's he's just he's he's just Johnny Rico, and that's all yeah. he'll probably be remembered for. Sadly, yeah. I see uh, a picture on IMDb. His IMDb picture is him looking quite gruff and like with a cowboy hat on. He looks mm-hmm. quite cool, actually. Looks like a, an elder statesman type. But I was like, oh, I wonder what TV show you're in. But then I went, I don't like Westerns. Why would I watch it? <laughs> yeah, you hate Westerns. <laughs> uh, again, you know, uh, Denise Richards looking hot. Even Amy Smart was in this as well. Yes, the other thank person. you. Thank you. I've just noticed that note. That is yes. the first time. This time of watching is the first time I've noticed that Amy Smart is yeah. in the fucking film. And yep. that is hilarious for me. Oh, yeah. The other thing I should have said, actually, is I have been watching a little bit of Stargirl. Um, since with my daughter uh and she's the mum in stargirl oh okay, okay. She's, she's courtney's mum <laughs> i was like hey that's awesome this is it it just shows how old we are now when you look at this and you go oh yeah you were the hot like yep. teen in yep. that now you're the mum in star this is what a year Shit. before road trip which was her sort of year or two before coming out moment because i mean again you know not that it's necessarily right but obviously shannon elizabeth got big because she got naked in american pie and amy Mm -hmm. smart got big because she got naked in road trip so that what that was sort of what introduced her to the wider world and again i'm not you know that's the way it was back in the day guys yeah it it was a lovely scene with amy smart in road trip i'm not gonna lie it was Uh, (laughs) um one other actor I need to mention actually is Brenda Strong, who is the ship captain. Uh, she is Captain Deladier of uh, you know the the one that Carmen and her other boyfriend ends up being on. But Brenda Strong's been in loads, and I mention her for for a reason that will become apparent shortly. Okay. So yeah, no, she gets cut in that, half by the yeah. door as they're escaping. Uh, oh yeah, I kind of yeah yeah, I kind of remember. Uh, no, I mean it have was. Have you even it was, watched this film? I have, but it's Recently. trying to remember. No, no, no. It's it's just trying to remember like the actors and stuff like that. There's so oh, right, many okay. different I, I actors know, I, and I actresses get it, I get in it. this. You know, because yeah, uh, the, um, the one that Carmen's with is some guy, but I don't know him from anything, so I didn't write his name down. I think his name yeah. is Patrick Mulhoon or something. Yeah, right? yeah, Patrick Muldoon. Uh, Muldoon. That's it. Yeah, again, he's not—he's not been in anything that I no, can think of. No, I didn't really recognise him from anything, but I recognise no. the name, which is weird. I, I, Patrick Muldoon seems to twig something in my head, and I'm not sure why. He's—he's he's probably just a back back actor in some TV series. He's probably appeared in Smallville or something bloody stupid <laughs> like yeah, that. Probably, you know? probably. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. So yeah, that is Starship Troopers. So we then move on to, like I said, I think it's 2004's Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation. Mm-hmm. And then we move on to Starship Troopers 3, Marauder. You didn't play into my joke there. That's brilliant. Um, that, that worked really well. So essentially, I was... Oh, the, I'm sorry. Was there a the joke? The joke was that I was skipping over the second film. The joke oh, I just thought you were the going title with the second film, yeah, yeah. and then I went to the third. Right, right. Title. Yeah, I just thought you were oh, doing well, titles. You know, that's okay. That's why we should, you know, actually discuss if we're going to try and do comedy beforehand. I suppose. Um, yeah, but you're not very comedic, so uh, yeah, I know, seen... I know. That's the problem. That's what I'm getting at. Like both of us are shit, <laughs> so we we whoa, should actually whoa. talk about it and write whoa. it down in advance. Well, anyway, speak for yourself. I'm a funny man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just not funny, haha. Well, yeah, just look like at the a clown. Like I, I moves you. Um, Starship Troopers through is a big pile of soggy bollocks. Uh, quite frankly, <laughs> I assume you didn't watch it. I won't blame you for not having watched I'm it. Not, it's shit. I'm not gonna lie. It's I remember watching two, 
years ago and just going, oh, what was like at least entertaining? This is fucking atrocious. What I oh think too is, is that Ed Newmeyer wrote a script and they mm. went, okay, right. You realize you're not getting the same budget, don't <laughs> yeah. you? And he went, you oh, don't get any of the cast either, by so the way. What he did instead was essentially wrote a cabin in the woods horror film. Mm where our protagonists are caught in a small turret in the middle of Bug City. There are bugs everywhere, although we can't afford the CG for all the bugs that are surrounding us. So we're going to constantly make sure there's fog and sandstorms and shit around the edge of it throughout the entire film so that we don't have to do the CG. Uh, there's bollocks like you watch um, motion camera, motion detectors that are showing you where the bugs are. And like I say, they're stuck in a cylindrical building, surrounded all the way around by a perimeter of bugs. However, whenever the bugs start attacking, they only attack one part, like a third of that circle gets attacked, and all of the characters are defending that one third of the circle. Why didn't the bugs just come in behind? There was no one there to protect. The thing's bollocks. I'm not even going to talk anymore about it. It's shit. It's fucking shit. Don't watch it. It's awful. I don't even know why I suggested even fucking looking at this film. (laughs) Well, I do. It's because I remember the third one. I remember the third one fondly. Yeah. I remember the third one fondly. So I had to watch the second, and Jesus yeah, it, fucking Christ, it's awful. It, it, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's it like you say. It's okay. Uh, we're going to cut the budget back to maybe a quarter of what it was. You're not going to get any of the actors back that, that no, actually no made actors. the first one famous. Um, so we're going to give you like a subpar crew. Uh, we're going to give you a subpar cast. We'll throw in the chick that was in Nuptuck. She can get her tits out for you. Yeah, all right, that's cool. Oh, is that where she came from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kelly Kelly Carlton, Carlton, I think. And the only reason that I remembered her is because she was in, uh, she was on like IMDb or something uh, a week or so ago because. You know, Nip Tuck is, you know, I don't know if it's like 10 years or whatever. So no, they right. did an interview with her and she's like, yeah, turn her back on Hollywood and rah, 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 rah. And I just remembered and I was like, oh, I'm curious. And yeah, it mentioned there, oh, she'd been in uh, in Starship Troopers. And I was so like, again, okay. she is our unnecessary nudity in this because she just spends part of the film naked, just yeah. running around naked, sleeping yeah. with very old men. Actually, I meant to write that guy's name down. The film doesn't deserve it, even though he's actually a decent actor. The bald guy, who's like the chief there, I, I, you know what? He's I, an actor this, I know from other stuff, and he's very good. I, but I, yeah, this this went straight past. It's me. not. Worth it was it. terrible. It was it's terrible. Not worth it. no. I mean, let's move on. yeah, let's move on. <laughs> so we'll move finally, and we'll just look at this briefly because I I do remember it fondly, but I you know it's it's me. I let's don't think it. there's it's any reason for anyone else to remember first. it. Fondly. Come on. So Starship Troopers Three Marauder is uh, essentially, again, written and this time directed by Ed Neumeyer. And in the second one, actually, the one thing I should have said is they tried to do, to keep the propaganda, satire, sort of, you know, would you like to know more bits. Didn't work. But they couldn't even afford the budget to put the would you like to know more sort of computer overlay over the top of it to make it obvious that it's one of the infomercials. So the first time it pops up, popped up with one in the second film, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then was like, oh, it's one of the adverts, but you can't afford to put the CG over the top to make it look like a fucking advert. It's like, uh, do you remember Robot Chicken where they go, oh, yes. and then they do I the cut scene to the thing? Chicken. It's exactly how that was. It was like, it was like yeah. you've got no association with what you've just been talking about or showing yeah. us. That's yeah. how it felt. Yeah. Um, 
So with the third one, he tried again to make the first film or to make a, a good sequel to the first film. And the script portrays that. Now, this one had a budget of uh, 20 million. I discovered Starship Troopers 3. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot more in this that that is directly from the book, which I didn't realize until I did some research. So the actual Marauder suits are from the book. They are oh. a suit that a human would wear, like uh, an Iron Man type suit, more of an Iron Man suit than a mm-hmm. big robot mech like they are in the film. Um, uh, the religious fanatics and the religious fanaticism that comes through uh, in this film is also taken directly from the book. Uh, there's even names of some of the ships are taken from the book mm. as well. <coughs> it's a ship called Geronimo that's taken from there. Um, yeah, this one... So the cast, Casper van Diem comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, as Johnny, uh, but this time he's out on a place called Rokusan. They're on a planet called Rokusan. And him and the rest of his crew are, and his unit or whatever are defending Rokusan. They get a visit from General Anoki. Uh, uh, sorry, Sky Marshal Anoki, who is the current Sky Marshal, who's uh, in a brilliant infomercial at the beginning, is uh, singing a song to the Federation that I really wish I could know. And if Wayne, if you're listening, if you can get a little snippet of the Federation song from Starship Troopers 3 Marauder that Anoki sings, it's fucking hilarious. It's essentially like, we're going to die and we're going to really like it. La, 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 la. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so propaganda and fucking brilliant. Um, we add, uh, so as he's uh, defending Rokusan, he gets visited by the Sky Marshal, Anoki, and uh, Dix Hauser, played by uh, Boris Kojo, who I know from, uh, he is was the character's name? Luther West, I think, in a couple of the Resident Evil movies by Paul Anderson is where I know him from. Um, Jolene Blaylock, who, remind me of the character's name, but she was in Enterprise as some sort of Vulcan. Uh, yes. Oh, Christ. She oh, was the Jerry God. Ryan of Enterprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me two secs. Give me two secs. Christ almighty. To Pow. To Pow. To Pow. Yes, to Pow. Or is well, that a band? No, that sounds about right. Let me check. Let me check. Is let there me a check. band called Tapau? Tapau. 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 Thank you. Tapau is definitely the band. Tapau. Tapau is the band. Tapau sounds like it's a bloody. Uh, no, I'm telling you, Tapau is a band. It's okay. definitely a band because okay. there's only one reason that's stuck in my head. Tapau. Okay. You're quite right. Tupol. So, yes, Jolie Blaylock. So, again, we're, we're, you know, we try to tease a little bit of the old Star Trek in there, you know, because it's what that thing, isn't it? There was a period of time where it's. You know, Claudia Black from Babylon 5 would end up in a lot of stuff, and Jolie Blaylock would end up in stuff, and from Jerry Farscape. Ryan had... Sorry? From Farscape. Farscape, sorry, not Babylon 5. Yeah. Um, Babylon 5 was fucking atrocious. Don't ever I, I, mention Babylon apologies, 5. Apologies, I, I didn't watch it. it I was just thought I got the show wrong. Really, really bad. Really, okay. really, really bad sci-fi. Like, truly terrible sci-fi. I love Farscape. Uh, I thought it was great, and the fact that you know what? And that, that's a that's a conversation for another day. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but there was a period of time around here where we were bringing in these sort of uh, the female uh, sort of uh, sci-fi TV sci-fi ladies in, in the hopes that it would draw that teenage audience who likes them in the sci-fi thing to come and watch the film. So it was it was a thing for a time. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure she had some pretty tight 
clothing on as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. In the, uh, you know, sex icon demographic. That's it. Um, oh, God, I'm so crap with this second film. I got so ranty that I didn't even mention. Right. So the, the reason I mentioned the ship captain, apologies, everyone. We're going back to the second film. The reason I mentioned Brenda Strong as Captain Deladier in the first film mm. is that she is one of the main troopers in the second film. Yeah. But he's a, a completely different character. different character. I love it when they do that. And it's like, why? What she had, she she thought the script was so amazing that she'd go back for this one. I'd, what the hell? Um, they clearly had her down for a two two uh, two film deal. Yeah, Sorry, we called your other character, but you know, yeah. Oh, how am I going to come back? I'm dead. That doesn't matter. Um, and the last one I've mentioned would be Amanda Donahoe, who plays Admiral Fid, who is just uh, you know she's a, a very good actress who's been in absolutely tons of stuff over the years british stuff american films you know all kinds of things but she's really good but i, I think she's um i remember her from liar liar the most that she her performance in liar liar as miranda really sticks in my head um but i really like her character she's a very good uh she's very good in it and they have a nice little twist where you think she's the bad guy to start with and she's trying to get anoki killed because she wants to take over but actually it turns out that Anoki's been talking to the bugs and has gone mad um and has essentially thinks that there is a god bug out there called Bea Macoitl which who made up that word who made up the word Bea Macoitl that is a fucking weird word to say my mouth doesn't enjoy wrapping itself around it do not clip that do not clip that last sentence, you fuckers. Um, so For everybody out there, please clip it and post it online. You bastards. I only realized what was what I said <laughs> as I said it. Um, so the uh, in this one we're it, very much the religion is turned up to eleven. Um and the religious aspects are crazy. Oh god! Oh god! I forgot about. Oh god! Yeah, I forgot about the huge religious ramifications. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's it's... there's masses of religion because obviously the Federation uh, don't believe in religion, and to start right. the start of the film, religious fanatics are uh, executed as seditionists. Um, but by the end, like, the it's just the 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 imagery. Like, Anoki gets. Uh, stabbed by Bayer McCoyle because of course Bayer McCoyle doesn't give a fuck who we are it's a fucking bug it's going to kill us all um, but he thinks it's some sort of god he gets stabbed by it and taken up to be eaten by Bayer McCoyle and he is essentially in the crucifix position as he's mm -hmm. being dragged towards it like he is Jesus going back to the Lord uh, for the you know the next resurrection or whatever um, and there's also a bit with Holly Little who is the flight attendant who's very religious the final scene is she's taken off the ship and rescued. She's got a very uh, deep blue uh, velvet like uh, blanket almost over her head so that she looks like Mary Magdalene as she's walking Not out. that she's a nun or anything Just like. fucking crazy, man. But again, apparently this is all this all comes uh, from the thing. Anyway, the the CG is unfortunately quite bad when it goes big. But I appreciate that at least he tried, he, he just went, well, like, look, I don't want to make another pared down cabin in the woods. You, we've got to stay in one location because it's the only set we've got and everyone's attacking us. I want to move around. I want to go to different planets. I want to have different scenery. I want to have battles going on. 
and so they just went, all right, well, we'll do the best we can with the CG. And yeah, it looks pretty fucking ropey. I mean, particularly the Marauder suits when you see them at the end are pretty fucking ropey. Um, mm-hmm. But I would rather that because at least it gives me some idea of scale and at least it tries to get somewhere near uh, where the first one was. It doesn't make it, but, you know, I, I like this one because I feel it's it's the closest we're ever going to get to a sequel. Now, Return... Sorry, anything you would like to say? I doubt you watched this one, but... No, no, I did. Uh, I'd skipped through. I'd watched this one. Like you say, it, I mean, it's it's just the the silliness of it is is something that it doesn't follow the first one fully in in terms of like the militaristic side of it the the no. budget is is a pale in comparison like this is not even a quarter of the budget like the first uh, one i think yeah, actually the first one was no. like 100 million it was it was, it was 50 odd no 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 i'm going to check this i'm going to check okay, this okay let's right check now. it now let's check, check this live now. We're, we're 105 live. million dollars. 105 million dollars. 105 million dollars. I, I figured it was about 100. Um, I thought I'd read it had 56 and it made 120. So uh, it, made, it was budget 105, made 121 according to this. Yeah, okay, okay. So I obviously just misread a bit. No but this is this is Wikipedia, and you know we can just corrupt this. Like oh well, fuck misses. you then. I might still be right. I, mean, I was well actually going to check like IMDb or something. <laughs> Proper, you can check not it. just fucking um, the thing that you went on and wrote last night, so that you'd be correct. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it, it, it that's the thing. Hang on, I'm of just going to log into Wikipedia and change it to 55 million. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so again, it's it, it, the, the problem with the film is that yeah, you know what? I, I, I value the fact that they brought back Casper Van Dien, trying to to establish some of the magic from the first one. But the problem was, it's just not there. Um, you know. When you've got a diminished budget, when you've got only a couple of, I'm not even going to say well-known actors, just a couple of TV actors, the thing yeah, like is that the would, other one, it I was, mean, you got some veteran actors in there, you got some new actors in there, yeah. you got some experienced actors. So that, that was the difference. The budget was a massive change. There was confidence in the first film. There's no confidence in this. It's just another direct-to-DVD sequel. Yes. So I appreciate the fact that he's trying to continue the story on. Um, and the, yeah, you know, they, they, they carry things on. The religious aspect gets way fucking crazy uh, because, you know, it's all the, 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 the Sky Marshal is uh, like falling for their, the, the bugs religion. And then by the end of the film, they're like, OK, we need a religion of our own. Let's settle on what is it Christianity? I think it is. Yeah, I think um, they just go back to Christianity. Don't yeah, they, they just go back to Christianity, and, and suddenly it's like, everything's okay. And yeah, it's like oh, okay, yeah, the, the world's good and the bugs are fine, and we've we've settled on our God now. And it's like okay, that that was the problem for me. Like when you put religion into sci-fi, you're gonna yeah. fucking ask for trouble because I, I agree. this is Unless the fundamental is problems of sci-fi and religion. One doesn't necessarily go in hand with the other because one is very, very rigid and says, okay, you have to abide by this book, these rules, and 2,000 years old, etc., etc., etc. Sci-fi is anything and everything is possible. Well, you can't have one with the other. It just doesn't necessarily work in the context of this. At the end of the day, it was what it was. Do I hope at some point that we get a Starship Troopers reboot to a degree? Of course, because I think it would be one of those films that could benefit from having somebody like Casper Van Dien and other people re- re- reoccur and come back in a small capacity, them being the leaders, and you get a new younger generation. I think that could work. No, good. Yeah. If done right. 
put because you could just the in the, or put Jake Busey in the the commander Zim role as the drill yeah, yeah. sergeant. Yeah. Casper's yeah. uh, the you know somewhere up in the the higher echelons. He's he's Radchek, you know. He's he's yeah. that sort of that lieutenant leader of the pack of the best things. Carmen's now the you know the the fleet admiral or whatever. But again, you could, change the roles the over. The intelligence. you could change the roles over. You could have, uh, you know, female in in Casper uh, Van Dyer's role. You could yeah, change yeah. it up. I, I, but that's the thing. I think this is the kind of sci-fi thing that could lend its credence to those kind of change-ups and, and it work um, and not be so rigid to, to kind of what was there before. Again, it's, it's all based on a book at the end of the day. And, you know, how many adaptations of various things have occurred over the year i think it's yep. one of those ones that will inevitably get its own reboot at some point um it's got just that sci-fi it's got a little place in people's hearts as, as a mm-hmm. sci-fi crazy film and i think yep. that's one uh but the so third one, yeah, it's just, yeah. couple of things then uh you are absolutely correct obviously in what you say with the religion and sci-fi and you know why that is because religion is a series of beliefs which are very difficult to change whereas science is a series of ideas and theories which can be changed if we find new evidence towards something there's goes your problem to, goes back to our dogma quote every exactly. single time every exactly single why time. i bring it back mate um and uh on your other thing uh they <laughs> ed newmeyer of all times was interviewed in like the last two weeks or something because he is apparently working on a script with the original script writer for a RoboCop Returns is its current name. After the disaster that they did with the well, other one? here we go. So it's called RoboCop Returns, and it is essentially the sequel. He pitched it as the sequel Paul Verhoeven would have made. Okay. It is going to ignore everything that came after the first RoboCop. So and it's it a direct, sequel, a from direct sequel to Robocop. Now, right. here's no, no, the no, no, other no. interesting nugget and why I'm taking all this with a bit of a pinch of salt. Okay. The director that he's working on this with is Neil Blomkamp, who I adore because, you know, District 9, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Elysium, I quite enjoyed. Not yeah. quite as good as District 9, but had some interesting ideas and well, well executed, well pulled, pulled off. But do you remember, and Chappie, that was his other one that I remember. Chappie, Chappie yeah, very yeah, yeah. good. Um, do you remember when he was supposedly going to do a film that followed directly on from Aliens? Yes. That never happened, did it? No. He is one of so these... So I am uh, a little bit of pinch of salty, because yeah, according to Ed Neumeyer, he's been commissioned, and he is working with Neil Blomkamp and Michael Miner, who wrote the original script for RoboCop, to write RoboCop Returns, to be directed by Neil Blomkamp. Now, the addition to this is as well, he also did say during this interview that he is working and knocking around some ideas for a Starship Troopers reboot. This is the thing. Uh, I I think with so many people in in Hollywood at times, like, oh, yeah, we're going to reboot this, and we're going to work on this, and we're going to work on this. I'm sure I've heard his name thrown around a multitude of times for a multitude of different projects. So, yeah, maybe he's one of these people that starts starts it on the the drawing board, and and they get up to a point, he's like, you know what? It's going to be shit. Let's move on to the next project. Uh, yeah, it's distinctly possible. I think it would work. But again, it's. I think uh, after the current ongoing pandemic mm-hmm. around the world, I do think that Hollywood is going to take fewer risks. I know yes. that sounds a bit weird. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think we're in for a few see... years of boring cinema. Yeah. Or uh, same, like, same pe- cinema. People are going to 
bitch and moan about the number of superhero films that are going to be coming out, but do you know why the studios are going to make them? Because they are making them money. And that is whatever anybody says, that is the fundamental purpose of a film studio being there. They're not there to appease everybody's art critique. They're there to make money. So yeah, we're going to see a lot of superhero films. We're not going to see original films necessarily over the next few years. We've had a couple, like Knives Out and stuff like that. It was an original screenplay, successful, uh, you know, other, other ones as well. But I do think projects such as this are going to be put on the back burner. It's not going to be a safe bet for Hollywood for a little while. No, I agree. Um, actually, I just you just said something that I was gonna comment on that I thought was really interesting. It's full, totally fallen out the back of my head now. Uh, oh. jot it down. It was the pandemic stuff, Hollywood taking risks. Yeah, anything? Click. Nah, it's fine. Yeah. I'll just make a note of the time. I'll just edit it. Yeah. As is typical, my mum just tried to call me. <laughs> she's right. not done it we'll for the last couple of weeks. That's no, fine. She's she's not called in the last couple of weeks, so it's just fine. Cool. So yeah, we'll we'll see whether any of that comes to fruition. Then I suppose uh, whether any of those scripts do appear, whether we do see anything, or whether, as you say, Hollywood perhaps doesn't want to take the risk for a bit. Mm. We will find out. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're still here, well done. You you made it through one good film and two average. Well, no, one good film, one no, average one good film, film and a pile of shite. One, one pile of shite and one. Yeah. So until next time, when you never know, we might even get to the first part of actually talking about Clone Wars rather than me actually just saying, "Hey, I'm at this point in Clone Wars." We might actually be able to record an episode next week, so we will see. But uh, for now, I have been Bav. And I have been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters.